Welcome to the Lions Podcast. It is the NFC West edition. Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and guys, everything we do, absolutely free. All we ask of you, hit that little thumbs up, hit the little subscribe button. If you are on the video side, if you're on the audio side, hit the pause button and give us a five-star rating. Maybe even a review in there, help us climb the charts. Stephen, we are going to head into a division, I know, near and dear to your heart as the team that you root for the most in the San Francisco 49ers do reside here but look let's start at the bottom and I think it's easiest for us to start at the bottom because we can kind of talk about this Arizona Cardinals team as not just the good thing about this is we don't have to talk about them as to what is an upside for this team none of that we just talk about how bad is this team going to be it's going to be (laughs) one of the worst teams in the NFL it is projected to be the worst team in the NFL we are talking odds and guys I'm not kidding 27 to 1 to win the division. We're not talking about to win the Super Bowl. We're not talking about to win the conference. To win the division, 27 like Cincinnati to 1. Cincinnati Reds yeah. to win the NL Central at the beginning I mean, of the year. I mean, yes. It's just insanity when it looks at this. Steve, right off the top, uh, you know, you know, I'm never afraid to pound the under on some of these low win totals of these teams. Uh, I've done it the last couple of years, and this is the first team I did it on here. With this Cardinals team, the under four and a half wins, I took that very rapidly whenever uh, whenever that was posted, and I feel really okay with it. I mean, if you look at this Cardinals team, in my opinion, going to be the worst team in the NFL with all the reason in the world to actually be the worst team in the NFL. You look at the roster, if and when they get Kyler Murray back, we don't have any idea. J.J. Watt retired. DeAndre Hopkins released. It's, it's going to be bad news, and now you're getting the reports coming out of camp according to the beat writers that hey look they might look to move hollywood brown they might look to move james connor these are guys that are kind of expensive that certainly might find a trade partner and if you're the cardinals probably in your best interest to just get any sort of draft capital that you can for these guys and so this is a complete and full rebuild and i expect them to be the worst team in the nfl this is what the bears were last year new regime comes in the cupboard is bare they're going to make the cupboard even more bare so that they can get as high of a draft pick as they can. They control their pick, obviously, and they also have the double shot because they have Houston's pick as well. And then by doing that, you also clear up a ton of cap space over the next couple of years as well. So I agree with you here. And if you look at it from a schedule perspective, Matt, it doesn't help either that the NFC West cross-division opponents this year are the NFC East and the AFC North which is no picnic when you talk about divisions with depth when you and and the Arizona Cardinals their crossover games are where they're it's manageable Atlanta Houston and Chicago although they are more than a field goal underdog in that game right now against Chicago holistically with this schedule I might be right there with you maybe pounding some alt unders on this team because if you look at the schedule the lines are out for every game for every team this year at a lot of these sports books. You can find them under the NFL tab at thelines.com if you want to browse them. But out of 17 games, they're not favored by three or more points in any one of them. And they are fa- they are the underdog by three points or more in 14 of their 17 games this year. That's how low they are rated in the NFL the only the only toss up game, so to speak, where it's less than three points on the spread, games against Atlanta, Houston, and the Rams. 
So that's that's the only toss-up games. And we take the market at its word right now, which can be dangerous in the preseason, yeah. but we know how bad this roster is. PFF has them as the number 32 roster in the NFL. Sharp Football has their defense in the bottom three for both front seven and secondary. The offensive line is not in the top 24. So under three and a half wins plus 150, under two and a half wins plus 320. Yeah. It all, it all of that looks in play to me right now. Oh, and, I think it's very, very possible. I think we could be looking at a one-win team. Um, and, and again, the incentive for them, the later they get in the season to win, continues to decrease, as you brought up. Listen, and to bring back Kyler Murray, too. Right. And that's, that, that is where I was going with this, is because what this will do, and, and listen, I actually think the Cardinals are in a great position so long as they follow through with being the worst team in the NFL, because... What you have here is you have Kyler Murray that may or may not be your future. You at least will then have that decision to make as you move forward. But if you hold the number one and number two pick in the draft, you have Caleb Williams coming out. Maybe Drake May ends up being the Joe Burrow of of four years ago, and he ends up being the guy that everyone ends up coveting instead of Caleb Williams. Whatever it might be, you are going to put yourself in a position to decide, do we move forward with Kyler Murray? Do we trade Kyler Murray for even more draft capital? And now we have the one pick, the two pick, and maybe another pick to go along and completely rebuild this franchise with the Cardinals. And so for me, I I see the further the season goes on, Steven, look, the players are always going to play to win. The front office does not have to put them in the best position to win. You trade off any assets that are worth anything to you to get more draft capital. You probably go to Kyler Murray and you say, hey man, look, we're 0 and 8 or whatever. We're 1 and 9. There's no point in bringing you back and risking stupid injury. Let's not even worry about it. Let's just focus on next season. And then you That's keep where him healthy get weird. in case you need to deal him, in case you want to deal him. I just think that there's so much incentive for this team to be bad. And on top of that, it certainly helps whenever you have one of the worst rosters, if not the worst roster in all the NFL as well. Yeah, that's where it's going to get weird here because – I agree with you that conceptually it, it may not make sense for Kyler Murray to come back and play, but he'd have to be living under a rock to know that if they lose too many games, he might not have a job next year in Arizona. And who knows what kind of opportunity he'll have anywhere else in the league, because if they lose too many games, they're drafting Caleb Williams. Like this is a, this is a rare, I'll put it, I'm not going to say generational. He's not Andrew Luck or, or, you know, John Elway or anything. But among the quarterback classes we've seen in recent years, I think the consensus is that he's the top guy. You know, he would have been drafted ahead of Kyler Murray if they came out in the same year. That's how high of a grade it seems the, the draft community has on Caleb Williams. So you have the interesting dynamic here where he's probably going to want to play to try and save his job. And I don't know if he's yeah. going to be allowed to. Guys, listen, like I said, I'm already on the under. I think the alt-unders are fine. If you bet any of these like exact orders, always have the Cardinals last place in, in, in that division. If you bet any of those, if you make any of those type exotic bets, anything like yeah. it is it is fade the Cardinals, fade everything about this team because there's there's real, real, real true incentive here to be bad. And honestly, I think that's good for if you're a Cardinals fan, I know this sounds bleak if you're watching this, but it's actually great for your organization. Like it would be unprecedented if you had the number one and number two pick in the draft. If you did decide to keep Kyler Murray, those two picks are going to be worth 
any everything. No I mean, like, look, for people to get up and get those picks, or if you decide to move on, you're still able to take the best quarterback, the guy that you want, and that number two pick then becomes incredibly hugely valuable. So, again, you're in a good spot, in my opinion, but you just have to follow through with being the worst team in the NFL. So, Stephen, let's move on then. So, we go to a team that I believe also has a lot of incentive to be bad and a lot of, and honestly, it doesn't hurt too bad that their roster is pretty terrible too, which is the Rams. And the Rams sold out to win the Super Bowl. It worked, but as part of the sellout, they got into cap hell. They got into a lot of positions where they weren't able to go and be very active in free agency because they didn't have the money to do it. They have a bunch of expensive veteran contacts, uh, contracts for guys that are running kind of toward the end of their career, namely Matthew Stafford. So you look here, you can find a 10 to 1 on, on them to win the NFC West. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I have this division as a two-team division. I see zero path forward for the Rams to win this division outside of just catastrophic injuries on the 49ers and the Seahawks side of things. And even then, I don't know if it would be enough for the Rams to do it. Now there's reports coming out already that Aaron Donald could be on the trade block if they come to the trade deadline and the record is so bad they can at least move away from his giant contract and try to rebuild kind of same same fashion that the Cardinals. Because remember, the other thing about this Rams team, they gave up all their picks. So they don't have any picks either. It's hard <laughs> to rebuild if you don't have any picks. So you have to start moving assets if you want to rebuild. And therein lies some of these guys that you go, why in the hell would they trade Aaron Donald? Why the hell would they trade Cooper Cup? Well, because they don't have any picks. And so you can't rebuild if you have no picks. And so uh, another team that I expect to be very well towards the bottom of the league and just about everything and wouldn't surprise me if they do have to move on from some of these really good players but the only way that they can ever try to get back to where they want to be is to get rid of them. From a schedule standpoint, the crossover games are against the Saints, the Packers, and the Colts. Um, average, we'll call that. Mm. I agree with you. I think they're one of the worst rosters. I think maybe only the Cardinals are the worst roster overall. They do still have some top-level talent. I mean, when healthy, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup's a pretty mm -hmm. lethal combination, and Aaron Donald's still on that line, although, again, the rumors that maybe he gets traded at the deadline. This is a team to me that I don't want to make any strong conclusions or go and run to bet right now just because of the way their schedule sets up. Their over-under is 6.5. It's juiced to the under. They're only projected to be a three-point or more favorite in one game this year. You guessed it, against the Cardinals. They are projected to be a three-point or more dog in seven games this year. But three of those seven are their first three games of the year against Seattle, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. And then a fifth game in week five against Philadelphia. So four of their first five games are games where they are currently scheduled to be more than three point underdogs. So it's very possible that they start the year one and four, maybe even zero and five. And then we can maybe reassess on buying low on an in season win total on this team, because they do have nine toss up games that also allows us the luxury of seeing, are they staying healthy? Is Cooper cup still out there, et cetera, because the, the biggest issue for me with this team last year was that they were dead on arrival with how bad and injured the offensive line was. Matthew Stafford is not mobile. They were giving up all kinds of pressure. They only had one offensive lineman play more than 500 snaps last year. That was Rob Havenstein. But they just could not protect anywhere all season. So it didn't matter what the scheme of the game plan was. 
when the quarterback can't get rid of the ball and, and, and get a clean pocket. Yeah. So uh, all those things being said, I think there might be an opportunity to buy low here. Maybe we get a four and a half or something after that really difficult start to the season. But um, it's it's a murderer's row to start for the L.A. Rams. And that's that's the reason why I kind of it's an under pass for me on this is because of like what you just said is if if the goal here is to try and rebuild if the record is poor to begin the year and they know that the season is lost. Well, the way that the schedule sets up is that's very likely to occur. You have a softer back end, but the front end, you could be staring down. As you mentioned, like you got the Cardinals in week six. Outside of that, when you get to your bye in week 10, you could be a one and eight team and it's very possible you could be a one and eight team. Now, the Colts, I think by week four, might not have turned to Anthony Richardson yet, so probably that game is much more losable than it would be if it was Anthony Richardson at the helm. And so I disagree yeah. with that actually. I actually do think it we you know, better minds can differ on this, but I, I think Anthony Richardson's gonna start earlier than you think. Well, he might. I'm just saying he might not be in there in week four. So fair. That, fair. Like it it it's a much more winnable game if Anthony Richardson's a quarterback in week four than if he's not. And so I think there's at least a possibility that he won't be. And so I, I think you look, Seattle's a loss. 49ers a loss. Bengals are a loss. The Eagles are a loss. Dallas is a loss. That's five for sure in the first nine weeks of the season. Now you could say what you want to about the Colts. I think it's coin flip at best in week four. Yes. The Cardinals should be a game that they can win. I think Pittsburgh's going to be better than most people think, but that's fine. We can talk about that. And we certainly will get to that division uh, a little bit later on in, in green Bay by week nine, Jordan Love, then at that point, we'll have eight games starting under his belt, you know, and and maybe he's better than we think as well, right? And so, like, that game that right now doesn't look as difficult, maybe it's actually way more difficult because Jordan Love is a tr is actually a good quarterback, right? I mean, we can't we can only speculate on that at this point, but he'll have two months of experience under his belt by the time that rolls around. If you're one and eight, hell, maybe even even two and six, I guess, at that point, maybe we do start to see this offloading that they're talking about, and if that's the case even though the schedule does soften up on the back end, I think that you're probably going to have a worse team though, going into those games. And maybe that game against Washington or the game against the giants or whatever, is actually way harder because now you're trying to do it without Aaron Donald or trying to do it without Cooper cup or in worst case scenario, maybe doing it without both. For sure. I think, um, you know, I will say this, that there is only one week one game I have bet so far, and it is the Rams plus six at Seattle, just based on the, the fact that this spread was also plus six in Seattle at the end of last year when the Rams had nothing left. They had a, you know, basically a minor league football team trotting out there to play every week against Seattle, who at that point was clearly a, a an improved team, a better team. So I disagree with the fact that that number should be six if Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, and Cooper Cup are back for the Rams and and they have a healthier offensive line. So I, I that that's a different argument though than how many games are they going to win. So yeah. I just think they're going to cover six week one. How many games are going to win? I'm not sure. Once we get through that that gauntlet to start the year. And if their key pieces are still healthy, then it, I could see myself talking my way into backing them to cover large spreads as underdogs. Because when Matthew Stafford had time, he was still pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. He was, you know, top five in the league last year on first downs in the first three quarters in terms of EPA per attempt, uh, according to Sharp Football. So, 
you know, as long as he's given protection, Matt Stafford can still distribute the ball and move this offense. And then after probably getting their butts kicked by some of the elite teams in the league earlier in the year, we might get some inflated spreads on this team and then we're buying low. Yeah. I'm with you on the win total though. If you do like this team over, you, you get you just wait till week five. Just wait, because yeah. It, it is very likely, and, and, I, and I mean very, very likely that they start 1-4, and four, if not 0-5, oh and, and you're going to get a much, much better number than, than right now. So I, I cannot think that this team, if you want an over, is bettable um, preseason because that is just, look, they're going to lose to the 49ers, to the Bengals, to the Eagles, and most likely to the Seahawks in week one, and that, that's kind of a coin flip game there with Indian Indy in week four, so... That would be my advice, basically. If you if you are a little bit bullish on this Rams team, then certainly sit back and wait until uh, until after week five. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, so like I said, I think this is a two-team division. Let's get into these top two teams, the 49ers and the Seahawks. If you look right now, the best number you can find on Seattle's plus 240. The best number you can find on the 49ers right now is minus 160. You can find the 160 over at DraftKings. If you want to back the 49ers, you can find the 240 at Rivers. Um, so as we look at this, Stephen, I mean, these are these are – on paper, 49ers roster, obviously, much, much, much better, I even think, than the Seahawks. Even though the Seahawks roster, I think, has gotten much, much better, too. Uh, they've drafted extremely well. And certainly, anytime that you have a, a three-headed monster on the offensive side of the ball, we know. Look, we've seen what Joe Burrow's been able to do with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And now with Seattle, you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Smith and Jigba. And, and that is a really, really, really good trio uh, whenever you look at trying to to compete in a passing NFL. But my biggest question, and I'll ask you this as a 49ers, and the reason I'm backing the Seahawks in this division, I've already done it. I got it at bigger numbers than are available now, but I would still bet it at 240 if I wanted to. 
is mainly who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers. And I don't think they know. And I think they've tipped their hand. They'd like it to be Purdy, but they don't know if he's necessarily going to be ready or not. So now you have to make a choice between Darnold and Lance. I think they basically, the writing's on the wall that they don't want it to be Lance. You bring in Darnold. So, I mean, you, you don't want it to be Lance. So are we going to be looking at a 49ers team that at least, let's call it in the first month of the season, might be led by Sam Darnold? And if that's the case, how much damage and or damage control do you think he can do? It's possible. I will say that as a 49ers fan, as we record on Friday, July the 7th, obviously a long time to go until we get into the season. But when it comes to the 49ers quarterback situation, the one thing I'm convinced of is Trey Lance is the third string quarterback. Yeah. And it no longer matters that they spend. Yeah, they don't want him. You can just tell him. Yeah, he's done. It's over. Um, and I thought that bringing in Sam Darnold was a very quiet, savvy move by this 49ers team. Because if you look at some of the underlying metrics on Darnold and what he did in Carolina last year, uh, in a season that was a dumpster fire to start and then got better with an interim head coach. He was top 10 in EPA per attempt when in the pocket on layup throws over under two and a half seconds per attempt. So whether his, his line was, was blocking or not, whether he was getting rid of the ball fast or not, top 10 in EPA per attempt when under pressure and on play action. And he was actually the number one quarterback in the NFL by this metric last year in the pocket by EPA per attempt and number two when not pressured. So this offensive line should be okay for the Niners. I do have question marks about the replacement for Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. This Colton McKivitz guy was, you know, outside the top 60 in qualified tackles last season in terms of pressure rate allowed. So that that's the real big question mark on this offense for me, not so much the quarterback. I think Darnold can can kind of steady the ship, but I I believe in Brock Purdy. Like you know from our podcast last year, Matt. That yeah. when everybody was waiting for the wheels to fall off on Brock Purdy, I was shouting from the mountaintops that this kid is for real, and it doesn't matter that he's a seventh-round rookie quarterback, in large part because Kyle Shanahan is the maestro you know, leading this orchestra, so to speak. So right. Brock Purdy was top six in EPA per attempt across the board in a lot of situations that Sharp Football looked into. Stats that are stable year over year, as opposed to some of the quarterback stats that are not as stable year over year. And he did it as a seventh round rookie. So we should see improvement. And my favorite Brock Purdy stat of all, Matt, was that Jimmy Garoppolo started 10 games last year and had eight completions of 20 yards or more and only one touchdown of 20 yards or more. And in Purdy's first four games, he had six touchdown tosses of 20 plus yards or more. So the 49ers offense was pretty damn good with Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to throw the ball downfield. And then they get a young quarterback in there, and it just opened up even more avenues to be explosive for this offense. So I'm not really caring if we need to have Sam Darnold for a month or so. I am still bullish on Seattle, but I am not fading the 49ers because of their quarterback situation. It, let's just call it average. Like let's call it the consensus, kind of about minus one sixty five. With minus one sixty five, as you guys well know, that implies about a little over sixty two percent probability for them to win this division. Stephen, it's just too juicy for me, man. Like, listen, it I, is I, I get it, and everything you say, and, and the roster is definitely, and the roster is definitely great, and there's no doubt about that. But 
it is still the most important position in all of football. It is a guy, but it is a team coming off. If they have to go with Lance coming off injury, if they have to go with Purdy coming off injury, or if they have to go with Darnold, a guy that's been cast aside several different times because he hasn't been able to get it done in the NFL. I, I do look at it from a standpoint of if it is Purdy, while I do agree with you, I think the kid's got some game. We now have, though, an entire offseason for these defensive coordinated wizards to look at tape, get tendencies, try to figure ways out to counterbalance. Because, listen, he wasn't supposed to play. He was on no one's radar. No one even had – they probably couldn't even find tape of this guy when they, if they had who, to. Like, who are you going to take away – how are you going to take away McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk? How are you going to take them all away? Yeah, that's the well, other I mean, thing here, man. Well, listen, like I said, the roster is fantastic. Like I said, the roster is fantastic. I'm not going to argue with you on that. I just think that you know, 62 percent win probability for this team, I think, is just a little bit too high. If you do look at Seattle, right? I already mentioned what they have just from a wide receiver position. I think under the radar last year, I think everyone knew Geno Smith was good. I don't think they realized that he was the ninth-graded quarterback according to Pro Football Focus in all of the NFL. I don't think that maybe Kenneth Walker gets the the respect that, you know, outside of the fantasy community because they know how good he was whenever they had him if he was on their fantasy team. But, like, outside of that, I don't think he really gets the credit that he deserves. It's a pretty good offensive line. Now, they could certainly be better, but it's good enough, I think, when it comes to it. And if you look on the defensive side, what we've gotten is – it is certainly no legion of boom, Stephen, by any stretch of the imagination, but they have now built a roster over there on the defensive side of the ball that is very, very competent and specifically competent in defending the pass, which is, you know, we're in a passing league now. We have moved into, into that. So I do think that Seattle is going to be a team to be reckoned with. And more than anything, it's just the odds. And now it's come down. It's been a popular bet. A lot of people, you were getting over three to one on this team at one point in this division it's now down like i said the best one you can find is plus 240 but i just think the price attached to the seattle team given the little bit of uncertainty that we do have the quarterback position for the 49ers and yes the roster is way better for the 49ers but this roster is on the up and up too for seattle um i do like this team from that aspect but the other way i think you could play this team steven probably you could probably put in a fire on pistol pete on coach of the year and like, you know, it's one of those things where let's just say this team, what if they have an awesome season, but it's just not enough to overcome the 49ers? I mean, you know, literally, yeah. what if they go 11-6, something like that, and it's just not good enough to, to, to beat them out? You know, I think yeah. Pete has put himself into the conversation at least. And right now he's 30-1, to 1, and we talk about it always being a market, right? Like, if you've got the 30-1 to 1, and this team ends up winning 11-12 games, that 30 to one is going to end up being like 10 to one on Pete. And now you and I do what we do every single year. And we start like just playing the market and whatever. And we get three or four different tickets and we put ourselves in a position to make some money. And so I think that is at least an alternate way to kind of bet on Seattle's success would just be like a, a, a Pete Carroll coach of the year ticket. Yeah. I love that angle. When it comes to Geno Smith, I still don't think he's an above average quarterback, but we've seen time and time again in recent years in this era where you surround a quarterback with a good offensive line and enough weapons, then it can overcome that. So uh, that being said, even though he was lacking in some of the, the EPA stats, he was still pretty strong top 10 in success rate. Mm -hmm. And he was also the number one quarterback in the NFL last year in completion percentage over expected. So um, now, even though Tyler Lockett is in his thirties, you add Jackson Smith and Jigba to the mix now. Now you have three bona fide wide receivers out there. Smith and Jigba, 
was mainly a slot guy. He was getting pigeonholed at that into that in the draft process, but that fits perfectly for how Seattle's going to use him. They can keep him in the slot and let him keep dominating there. So I think, um, yeah, I'm I'm just as bullish with you with you on this. I'm not sure I get there on the division win, um, but when it comes to maybe a sneaky team that can make some noise in the tournament when they make the playoffs. I think Seattle is one we have to definitely consider here with the improvements they've also made on defense. And I mean, it, the NFL is amazing, man. This time last year we were doing this podcast and we were laughing about how bad we thought Seattle was going to be joking yes. about Lou Riddick saying that they were going to surprise everybody. I bet I called under if you remember. <laughs> you did. You yeah. did. So, I mean, major hats off to this organization with what they've yeah. accomplished after trading Russell Wilson. It's truly amazing. But if, if you look at their schedule, I just want to do a word of warning before everybody just goes running out and betting the over on this team, uh, which is already juiced to minus 140 if you want to bet the over eight and a half. So yeah, to get any good odds, you're going to have to do a 10 plus win bet or over 10 and a half wins. Um, if you look at the schedule, they do have five games where they're favored by by three points or more right now. But they have nine toss-up games. And four of those nine toss-up games are against Philadelphia, San Francisco, Baltimore on the road, and Detroit on the road. So if, if you think those are games that they're maybe more likely to lose than to be a toss-up game, now they need to win all five of their games that they're projected to win and they also need to win four of their five remaining toss-up games to get to that nine-win number. So the schedule looks kind of sneaky tough on paper with some of the opponents they have and the crossover games that they have and the divisions they have to face there. So I would just consider that before rushing out and just automatically assuming that Seattle's going to be an over 500 team when you have to pay minus 140 juice on it. As far as the long-term stuff for the 49ers, um, guys, for me, I think if you are bullish on the 49ers, one thing that works in your favor is that the Eagles are also in the conference because the Eagles are going to be awesome no matter what. I mean, like, there's just no scenario under which that they're not going to be really, really good. And so, see, I don't think you have to bet, like, a 49ers to win the NFC ticket now. I think the odds are going to stay relatively the same for a little while. And you can actually get a few game sample size and figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Is it working? Like what's that translating to and yeah. all that? Like right they're tackle. not going to instantly become the favorite and you missed out on the best number because the Eagles are likely to win 12 plus games this year. And so like, it's, it's one of those deals where I think it works in your favor. If you do want to take a position on the 49ers, I don't think you got to rush to do it. I think you might be able to take three or four games and decide where you want to go with it from there. And I think that works in your favor a little bit. The Niners have um, kind of gotten off the slow starts in recent years too. Let's mm -hmm. not forget that they've, they overcame it last year with 10 consecutive wins to close out the regular season, despite again, being one of the 10 most injured teams in the NFL last year, they can't seem to just escape that at any point. If they do look out, uh, but at one point, this team was three and four last year, and they lost mm -hmm. that weird game in Chicago. They open up against Pittsburgh this year is going to be feisty. So, you know, there's there have been multiple buy low opportunities in recent years, midseason on the San Francisco 49ers, mm -hmm. just trusting that they're going to get to their ceiling, even if they do lose this division like you've bet on. This is still a team that can come out and yeah and make a ton of noise in the postseason. Sure. So. Last note for me on the Niners, Matt, just looking at the schedule one last time. 
with the over under at 10 and a half now, there's a ton of juice on the over. I did bet it at minus 120, but that's not helpful to anybody right now. So you got to look at all win totals here, I think, for the Niners. 12 wins is plus 135. Over 12 wins is plus 240. The schedule lines up kind of nice for them if you trust the rating, if you trust the preseason rating for them, because of their 17 games, they're going to be right now a three-point or more favorite in 10 of them. So if that's the baseline, 10 games where they're going to be favored by three points or more, Mm. you don't need many of those toss-up games. There's seven toss-up games. You don't need many of those toss-up games to go your way to get to that crazy alt over 12 and a half wins at plus 240. So just saying. Super fascinating division. I do think that there's probably only two real contenders in this one. But that being said, it looks like you know, listen, if you get a ceiling season out of Seahawks and you get just what is expected out of the 49ers, it could be an actual race to the very end. So super fun division. Like I said, two bets in my account. I do have the under on the Cardinals season win total, and I do have the Seahawks to win this division. So we shall see how that all plays out. Guys, again, everything we do, absolutely free. So we appreciate your support by just making some clicks. That's all we're asking for. If you're watching us on the video side, give us a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button. If this is the audio side, for you, then just hit the pause and give us a five-star rating. That really does help out as well. We are going to continue to rattle through these divisions. Head over to the channel if you want to get the back episodes of all of these as well. For Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your NFL bets.